Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we are going to have a great interview today with someone who's doing some really cool things. He's kind of a renaissance man. He's going to be CMO for a large church in Southern California. He also used to be head of events for Dave Ramsey. So he's traveled all around the country working with Dave Ramsey and planning all of his big mega events. And he also coaches people. And he has written a book called Hiring and Firing, And I can't read the subtitle of the book, so I'm just going to let him tell us all about that. But I, first of all, want to welcome you to the show because we are continuing to grow. We are about nine episodes away here at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do from episode number 300. We are just days away from the third anniversary of the show. So uh, lots of things going on. I appreciate everybody who tunes in. If this is your first time listening, please come back, go into the archives, listen to an old show. If you like it, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. If you want to get more involved, find out more about our mastermind group, the Potential Mastermind Project, and you can find out that information at potentialmastermind.com. We'd love to have you join in. It is uh, a small but mighty group of people who will hold you accountable and get you focused on trying to achieve more of your own potential. And one of the things we always like to do on this show is focus on different ways that people who want to be entrepreneurs, or maybe they already have a business, or maybe a side hustle, what they can learn from people who are out there doing things. And I think today's guest is great because he's doing a lot of things. Today's guest is Chris Mefford. And Chris, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me. Hey, I messed up the title of your book. What's it called? Yeah. You know, if you could see it through the microphone, I just have a big smile on my face. It's it's okay. Totally great. It's hiring and firing and creating an amazing team culture for leaders in a hurry. There was just a lot of words and I have it up on my screen, but they're like really tiny and I thought I had enlarged it, but my 51-year-old <laughs> eyes can't read anything without glasses on. So you were telling me beforehand that the book is available on Kindle. You can get the paperback version, but you also give away for free hiring and firing uh, and creating an amazing team culture for leaders in a hurry by going to your website. So where can they get the book? Yeah, so if you go to chrismefford.com, at C-H-R-I-S-M-E-F-F, as in Frank, O-R-D.com, you can download it there. It's on Amazon for, you can get the paperback for 15 bucks, you get the Kindle for six bucks. And then there's an audio book too um, that's being released in another week or two. It should be released, I think, by the time your listeners hear this podcast. Um, and it's about $15 on Audible. So if you go to my website and register, um, you can check it all out there and download it for free. Awesome. Everything. So it's about a $60 value. So, Chris, I, I kind of said that you're a little bit of a, of a renaissance man. You're doing a lot of different things. Why don't you tell the audience who is Chris Mefford and, and what do you do? Well, you know, right now I, I love marketing and that's sort of where I made my impact. I started as a marketer um, and then got promoted to be VP of all events uh, at Ramsey. And so I was in charge of about 80 and 90 different events and speaking and everything over there. And I enjoyed that. And part of leading is selling events. And, and it was just a natural extension of my marketing. And I left that after a while because it was just it got too demanding for me, you know, 10 years on the road and sort of grinding it out. Well, and you were probably you're probably losing your hearing from all those debt free screams going off in your ear. Yeah, right? that's 
right. That's right. I mean, that was the encouraging part of the of the night. Um, I probably would have been worn out sooner if we didn't have that uh, sort of impact that we had in every community we went to. I loved it. But outside of that, I'm a chief marketing officer, as you mentioned. But I love showing individuals and entrepreneurs sort of how to leverage their ability to communicate, to get promoted and make more money. Um, and how to create an amazing company culture. I think those are uh, a couple of skills that uh, everybody needs to learn. Um, and once they do, they'd be really surprised at how successful they can be in their careers. So you told me when we were sort of prepping for the call that you know you haven't jumped in full-time to just being an entrepreneur. You actually like to be in the trenches as a marketer and, 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 and working. But what has led you to sort of create this life with a lot of different pieces to it, where you're writing and you're coaching and you're speaking and you have a job? What, what, what's your path? What led you to where you are? You know, um, that's a good question. I think a lot of people can say, hey, you, you can't keep focused on this one area. And for me, it wasn't that at all. Um, you know, I quit my job uh, about 10 or 15 years ago and started my own ad agency. And I did that for two years and sort of leveraged that to a new position and leveraged that to something else. And so for me, it's sort of entrepreneurship is how can I take what I'm doing right now and what I'm passionate about and how can I help it uh, use it to help me leverage into something new and exciting um, that's even more sort of rewarding for me in my career. And, and I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there like that. Um, you know, the challenges are very similar in what they do and how you go about it. But being an entrepreneur and starting new things and trying new things, I love it. You know, I got frustrated with the process just like everybody else. Um, and then there were there are certain things that just come really easy to me and to your listeners, as I'm assuming, as well. Um, and so that's sort of how I got into being an entrepreneur, why I like it. I like being in the trenches. I like working with teams. I like working with people. And so sort of being a solopreneur, kind of on my own, pushing out, that just wasn't doing it for me. So you're about to sort of move across the country to start your new full-time job. So what is it like when, when you're kind of this entrepreneurial guy and you're doing a lot of different things? What is it to sort of up and move and start over in a new location? That's something I haven't done in 26 years. And so, uh, you know, I always wonder, gosh, what would it be like, you know, in this sort of entrepreneurial role to pack everything up and move? Well, you know, I think it, it does take some uh, some special stuff. Some people just get excited by the opportunity that's there. For me, I enjoy the process. I enjoy seeing new things. You know, obviously, I traveled for 10 years all over the country um, with my other job at Dave's. And so traveling and moving around doesn't intimidate me. I think it really just comes down to the role and what I'll be doing. And so the opportunity that's there, there's so many different nuances to what I'll be doing. I'm excited because, you know, where I get frustrated or bored is when I do the same thing over and over again. And it's sort of, I'm going to go into work. I'm not going to, you know, we're going to do the same stuff. But there's just so many challenges ahead of me that it really excites me. And so um, moving across the country is just sort of, I look at it as the benefit, Um to, to everything I'm going to be doing. So do you and your wife have kids or is it just the two of you packing up and going? <laughs> we do have kids. My son is in college and my daughter is a senior in high school. And so we're actually going to let her graduate um, <laughs> and before we make the big move. So I'll be doing a little bit of commuting um, before the end of the school year. But uh, once that's done, we'll, uh, we'll be packing up the sunscreen and heading to Southern California. Nice, nice. So, so what do you love now that you've sort of put together this life where you can do things like that? What, what do you love about this entrepreneurial spirit that you have? That's a good question, Tom. You know, I love the energy and the creativity and the problem solving. You know, I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs are drawn to. They love that energy and that that ability to help others and serve others. Um, and so for me, I like that creativity that you get, the energy you get with working with other people and solving problems and finding solutions. And that's what excites me the most, whether it be marketing or creating new products or new services, that's the, that's the enjoyment I get. And helping others sort of define 
how to leverage that into success, I also get equally excited about. So a lot of the people who listen to the show, they, they, they want to be an entrepreneur, but maybe they have a full-time job. So, you know, starting some sort of a side hustle or, or having sort of, you know, bifurcating their life where they do stuff on the side, maybe it's coaching or consulting or speaking or, you know, whittling out of wood, I don't know, whatever it is that, that sparks them. What advice do you have for people who want to take that entrepreneurial desire and maybe not make the full-time leap, you've done that before, but they want to keep something going on their own? What advice do you have for people who want to stir up their own entrepreneurial side, side venture? Well, you know, I think I'll start with just the, the common stuff, Tom. You start, you know, be patient, um, be willing to serve. And I'll probably throw this in, which may be unique, is be flexible and be adaptable. You know, um, I heard this great story once uh, in grad school. We had one of the guys that was sort of there at the start with Steve Jobs and Apple. And he told this story I'd never heard before. And, you know, so many stories are out there with Steve. But this one was kind of unique. He said, we created the computer and we threw it into the marketplace and the marketplace told us that it really liked our fonts and it really liked our design capabilities. And all of a sudden, we became this niche computer system for graphic designers and, and creative type people. And so we looked at that. We looked around and we said, you know what? Let's just focus on that. Let's throw our energy towards that. And I think early on, that's what sort of created this hip kind of be different. Let's create a rebel. Let's start a revolution type mentality at Apple. Um, as a result. And if they would have just said, hey, that's not who we are. The marketplace is telling us this, but no, we're over here. We're going to be this. Um, they probably would have failed early on. But the fact that they were adaptable and flexible and sort of willing to to see what was out there and run with it, um, I think that's what made them successful. And I think that's what makes an entrepreneur really successful as well. So your book is about sort of hiring and firing and, and, and things around teams. So let's get off this sort of solopreneur thing and let's look at companies for a minute. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they're hiring and, and how can they sort of avoid a dud? Well, uh, the biggest mistake is they hire too fast. Um, you know, imagine if you went on a date with your wife and you said, hey, let's get married on the first date. Now, I know there are people out there love at first sight and they do that, but very few people actually – get married on the first date, right? It just doesn't happen. And so if you can imagine spending the next five, 10 years with somebody you met for 30 minutes um, and you didn't really get to know that well, um, the drama. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we are going to have a great interview today with someone who's doing some really cool things. He's kind of a renaissance man. He's going to be CMO for a large church in Southern California. He also used to be head of events for Dave Ramsey. So he's traveled all around the country working with Dave Ramsey and planning all of his big mega events. And he also coaches people. And he has written a book called Hiring and Firing – and I can't read the subtitle of the book, so I'm just going to let him tell us all about that. But I, first of all, want to welcome you to the show because we are continuing to grow. We are about nine episodes away here at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do from 
episode number 300. We are just days away from the third anniversary of the show. So uh, lots of things going on. I appreciate everybody who tunes in. If this is your first time listening, please come back. Go into the archives. Listen to an old show. If you like it, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. If you want to get more involved, find out more about our mastermind group, the Potential Mastermind Project, and you can find out that information at potentialmastermind.com. We'd love to have you join in. It is uh, a small but mighty group of people who will hold you accountable and get you focused on trying to achieve more of your own potential. And one of the things we always like to do on this show is focus on different ways that people who want to be entrepreneurs, or maybe they already have a business, or maybe a side hustle, what they can learn from people who are out there doing things. And I think today's guest is great because he's doing a lot of things. Today's guest is Chris Mefford. And Chris, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me. Hey, I messed up the title of your book. What's it called? Yeah. You know, if you could see it through the microphone, I just have a big smile on my face. It's it's okay. Totally great. It's hiring and firing and creating an amazing team culture for leaders in a hurry. There was just a lot of words and I have it up on my screen, but they're like really tiny and I thought I had enlarged it, but my 51-year-old <laughs> eyes can't read anything without glasses on. So you were telling me beforehand that the book is available on Kindle. You can get the paperback version, but you also give away for free hiring and firing uh, and creating an amazing team culture for leaders in a hurry by going to your website. So where can they get the book? Yeah, so if you go to chrismefford.com, that's C-H-R-I-S-M-E-F-F, as in Frank, O-R-D.com, you can download it there. It's on Amazon for, you can get the paperback for 15 bucks, you get the Kindle for six bucks. And then there's an audio book too um, that's being released in another week or two. It should be released, I think, by the time your listeners hear this podcast. Um, and it's about $15 on Audible. So if you head on my website and register, um, you can check it all out there and download it for free. Awesome. Everything. So it's about a $60 value. So Chris, I, I kind of said that you're a little bit of a, of a renaissance man. You're doing a lot of different things. Why don't you tell the audience who is Chris Mefford and, and what do you do? Well, you know, right now I, I love marketing and that's sort of where I made my impact. I started as a marketer um, and then got promoted to be VP of all events uh, at Ramsey. And so I was in charge of about 80 and 90 different events and speaking and everything over there. And I enjoyed that. And part of leading is selling events. And, and it was just a natural extension of my marketing. And I left that after a while because it was just it got too demanding for me, you know, 10 years on the road and sort of grinding it out. Well, and you were probably you're probably losing your hearing from all those debt free screams going off in your ear. <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. Right. That's right. I mean, that was the encouraging part of the of the night. Um, I probably would have been worn out sooner if we didn't have that uh, sort of impact that we had in every community we went to. I loved it. But outside of that, I'm a chief marketing officer, as you mentioned. But I love showing individuals and entrepreneurs sort of how to leverage their ability to communicate, to get promoted and make more money um, and how to create an amazing company culture. I think those are uh, a couple of skills that uh, everybody needs to learn. Um, and once they do, they'd be really surprised at how successful they can be and their careers. So you told me when we were sort of prepping for the call that, you know, you haven't jumped in full time to just being an entrepreneur. You actually like to be in the trenches as a marketer and, 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 and working. But what has led you to sort of create this life with a lot of different pieces to it where you're writing and you're coaching and you're speaking and you have a job? What, what, what's your path? What led you to where you are? You know, um, that's a good question. I think a lot of people can say, hey, you, you can't keep focused on this one area. And for me, it wasn't that at all. Um, you know, I quit my job. Uh, about 10 or 15 years ago and started my own ad agency and I did that for two years and sort of leveraged that to a new position and leveraged that to something else. And so for me, it's sort of entrepreneurship is how can I take what I'm doing right now and what I'm passionate about and how can I help it 
uh, use it to help me leverage into something new and exciting um, that's even more sort of rewarding for me in my career. And, and I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there like that. Um, you know, the challenges are very similar in what they do and how you go about it. But being an entrepreneur and starting new things and trying new things, I love it. You know, I got frustrated at the process just like everybody else. Um, and then there were there are certain things that just come really easy to me and to your listeners, I'm assuming, as well. Um, and so that's sort of how I got into being an entrepreneur, why I like it. I like being in the trenches. I like working with teams. I like working with people. And so sort of being a solopreneur, kind of on my own, pushing out, that just wasn't doing it for me. So you're about to sort of move across the country to start your new full-time job. So what is it like when, when you're kind of this entrepreneurial guy and you're doing a lot of different things? What is it to sort of up and move and start over in a new location? That's something I haven't done in 26 years. And so, uh, you know, I always wonder, gosh, what would it be like, you know, in this sort of a entrepreneurial role to pack everything up and move? Well, you know, I think it, it does take some uh, some special stuff. Some people just get excited by the opportunity that's there. For me, I enjoy the process. I enjoy seeing new things. You know, obviously, I traveled for 10 years all over the country um, with my other job at Dave's. And so traveling and moving around doesn't intimidate me. I think it really just comes down to the role and what I'll be doing. And so the opportunity that's there, there's so many different nuances to what I'll be doing. I'm excited because, you know, where I get frustrated or bored is when I do the same thing over and over again. And it's sort of, I'm going to go into work. I'm not going to, you know, we're going to do the same stuff. But there's just so many challenges ahead of me that it really excites me. And so um, moving across the country is just sort of, I look at it as the benefit, Um to, to everything I'm going to be doing. So do you and your wife have kids or is it just the two of you packing up and going? <laughs> we do have kids. My son is in college and my daughter is a senior in high school. And so we're actually going to let her graduate um, <laughs> and before we make the big move. So I'll be doing a little bit of commuting um, before the end of the school year. But uh, once that's done, we'll uh, we'll be packing up the sunscreen and heading to Southern California. Nice, nice. So, so what do you love now that you've sort of put together this life where you can do things like that? What, what do you love about this entrepreneurial spirit that you have? That's a good question, Tom. You know, I love the energy and the creativity and the problem solving. You know, I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs are drawn to. They love that energy and that that ability to help others and serve others. Um, and so for me, I like that creativity that you get, the energy you get with working with other people and solving problems and finding solutions. And that's what excites me the most, whether it be marketing or creating new products or new services. That's the, that's the enjoyment I get. And helping others sort of define how to leverage that into success, I also get equally excited about. So a lot of the people who listen to the show, they, they, they want to be an entrepreneur, but maybe they have a full-time job. So you know, starting some sort of a side hustle or, or, or having sort of you know, bifurcating their life where they do stuff on the side, maybe it's coaching or consulting or speaking or you know, whittling out of wood, I don't know, whatever it is that, that sparks them. What advice do you have for people who want to take that entrepreneurial desire and maybe not make the full-time leap, you've done that before, but they want to keep something going on their own? What advice do you have for people who want to stir up their own entrepreneurial side, side venture? Well, you know, I think I'll start with just the, the common stuff, Tom. You start, you know, be patient, um, be willing to serve. And I'll probably throw this in, which may be unique, is be flexible and be adaptable. You know, um, I heard this great story once uh, in grad school. We had one of the guys that was sort of there at the start with Steve Jobs and Apple. And he told this story I'd never heard before. And, you know, so many stories are out there with Steve. But this one was kind of unique. He said, we created the computer and we threw it into the marketplace and the marketplace told us that it really liked our fonts 
and it really liked our design capabilities. And all of a sudden, we became this niche computer system for graphic designers and, and creative type people. And so we looked at that. We looked around and we said, you know what? Let's just focus on that. Let's throw our energy towards that. And I think early on, that's what sort of created this hip kind of be different. Let's create a rebel. Let's start a revolution type mentality at Apple um, as a result. And if they would have just said, hey, that's not who we are. The marketplace is telling us this. But no, we're over here. We're going to be this. Um, they probably would have failed early on. But the fact that they were adaptable and flexible and sort of willing to to see what was out there and run with it, um, I think that's what made them successful. And I think that's what makes an entrepreneur really successful as well. So your book is about sort of hiring and firing and, and, and things around teams. So let's get off this sort of solopreneur thing and let's look at companies for a minute. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they're hiring and, and how can they sort of avoid a dud? Well, uh, the biggest mistake is they hire too fast. Um, you know, imagine if you went on a date with your wife and you said, hey, let's get married on the first date. Now, I know there are people out there love at first sight and they do that, but very few people actually get married on the first date, right? It just doesn't happen. And so if you can imagine spending the next five, 10 years with somebody you met for 30 minutes um, and you didn't really get to know that well, um, the drama that might be involved with that, the frustration, the challenges, the what was I thinking kind of mentality. And I think over and over again, there is no right or wrong process when it comes to hiring. There's just a thorough process. And by that, I mean, look, have five, six interviews, have them in coffee shops, have them in your office, get break down some of these barriers, get to see the core of the person involved and do not compromise. If you are looking for a franchise player, do not be in a hurry to hire. That is the biggest mistake you can make and probably the, the worst mistake you can make as well. So, you know, what are some of the tricks then to make sure that you're creating an amazing team and an amazing culture and, and, and all that with your staff? I mean, what, what can people do? Well, you know, Tom, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, when you say to them, um, hey, do you want to hire great people? Do you want to have an amazing team culture that sort of wins the best place to work every year? Um, like we did at Ramsey for eight straight years. Everyone says, absolutely. And, and, and so it's kind of funny because everyone says that, but so few people achieve it. And so you have to ask yourself, well, what is the problem? And I think it's one is that they're, they just hire too fast. Um, two is they settled. Jim Collins wrote a whole book called Good to Great. And the premise of the book is good is the enemy of great. Like good enough. This person's good enough. Just get them in the door. This program, this project is good enough. Let's get it out. And sort of that, that sort of demoralizes people. You can't achieve great things if you're always just saying everything is good. And I think when it comes to common sense, which is what we're talking about here in essence, you know, it's common sense. Everybody wants to work at a great place and everybody wants to hire the best person out there available. Um, but why is it so hard? And I think because deep down it's an emotional uh, change. We have to change the way we look at team members. Maybe people have to go that we like because they're not going to take us to greatness. Maybe the hiring process is going to take a lot longer and be more frustrating because we're not just going to settle for everybody that's there. Maybe when it comes to developing a core value or the way I'm going to operate and lead my team or be led, um, I'm going to dig my feet in on some core values that's going to make me very unpopular. Um, and so I think what happens is people start to wiggle in those, those core sensibilities and they start to fall into a trap where they say, hey, good enough. This is good enough. And all of a sudden, you've got a sort of a frustrating place to work. Um, and that's how it happens. Well, most of the people who I talk to through some work that I'm doing say that, you know, 
they're sort of stuck in good enough. They're, they feel they could be accomplishing more. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I have a lot more potential. I have, you know, I have a lot more that I could be doing in my career. But almost 70% of the people who I talk to say, yeah, I'm not living up to my potential. So I think they get caught in, yeah, I'm good enough, you know, for what I'm, for what I'm doing. So what do you think attributes to this gap between potential and results that people see with their teams? I think a, a couple of things. You know, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, one is I look at a, a football coach like Urban Meyer at Ohio State or Nick Saban at Alabama. Both of those coaches won the national title in their very second year at the university. And here's what stands out to me. They won the title with players they mostly hadn't recruited. And so why were they able to come in and take a team that had basically done so poorly that the, that the leader before they took over had been fired and win a national title? And I think because a lot of people just have never seen it or experienced it. And so these coaches come in and say, hey, I've done it. I've been great. I'm going to show you how to get to great. Watch me. Trust me. Fall in line. And it's going to be hard, but I'm going to stick to these core sensibilities that make it um, successful and make companies and people successful. And we're going to get there if you believe in me and you trust me. And I'll make those tough decisions and I'll do that and I'll lead you. And both of those coaches sort of had that mentality and they won. And so you look at that and you say, wow, that's amazing. Um, why can't everybody else do it? And so to answer your question, sort of part one is, I don't think a lot of people have seen it. They don't quite understand what it looks like. You know, can life be really lived up in this great level all the time? And I'm here to tell you it can be. Um, you know, I look at coaches. There's a lot of business coaches out there. And it always makes me laugh. It's sort of like the finance professor who drives a really, you know, old crappy car or the or the skinny cook are they really good at their job if they haven't really been a part of something great and then I look at um, my second example and that's with Dave when I worked with Dave and I started the Entree Leadership Podcast with him and I also started the uh, Leadership University Podcast with Henry Cloud and I remember Dave saying hey we want to create this podcast but we're only going to do it if it's the number one podcast for business and I remember laughing, going, who am I? Like, what do you mean we're only going to do it? I mean, are you serious? Um, but the reality was when we launched that podcast, we went to number three overall on iTunes for any podcast, not just business. And then for the first few years of that podcast, we were in the top 10. And I wonder all the time, could we have done that if the leader at the top hadn't literally set the goal and the expectation that that's what we were going to achieve? Hmm. And so... Stating, saying it and stating it and saying, you know, this is our goal and this is what we're going to do. Go figure out how to make that happen. And those examples, sort of that's how you get to greatness. And, you know, that little podcast example with Dave is interesting because the, the whole company was often run that way. It wasn't just a podcast. The details mattered. We weren't going to do this to be good. We were going to do it to be the best in the country. Um, and when you start to train your people to think that way and believe that way, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Hmm. Absolutely. So, hey, I want to switch gears here and ask you a question that I love to ask everybody who comes on the show, and that is how important do you think your network is to success as an entrepreneur? I mean, a lot of people think they live in a John Wayne, you know, Lone Ranger kind of world, and they think, oh, I'm so great. I have this experience. I'm going to go do this. How important is your network? You know, I think it's um, very important for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, obvious people might go, well, of course, a big network will help you reach to a lot of people and, and you'll make a lot of money and that'll help you. But I also think having a big network, big network is very supportive. And so as an entrepreneur, you can get frustrated. You can get tired. 
you can lack patience, you can you can want to give up. And that network sometimes is a support that you can go to and just have them lift you up and and be successful. I have a friend you and I were talking about, his name is Jeff Brown, and he runs the Read to Lead podcast that some of your listeners may listen to. And he was feeling very frustrated um, early on in his podcasting career. And he just went online and made a little podcast that, hey, guys, I'm having a really bad day. And uh, I just wanted you to know that. And it was short and sweet. I don't know exactly specifically. I don't want to get into the, everything he said. But the the listeners showed up and they emailed him and they encouraged him. And I thought, wow, what a network. That's the way you kind of use it. You know, a lot of times we selfishly think, how can we make money from our network? But sometimes that network is there also to help and support and guide you. And I think it's really important in that case to have a network. And, you know, here's a classic example. The money in America is often concentrated in big cities. And why is that? Well, I believe it's because that's where the people are. And so when you have a big network of people and you're working to grow your network, that's oftentimes where you're going to see success as well. Well, and all opportunities in life come from people. I mean, it's the listeners of this show who refer me to, you know, several of my speaking gigs now per year. So when I started the show, people are like, well, how are you going to monetize cool things entrepreneurs do? And why are you speaking to entrepreneurs? That's not, you know, you speak on, you know, people's brand and engagement, and then you speak on potential. Why are you speaking to entrepreneurs? Well, I first of all believe that brand and engagement is key to being an entrepreneur, and entrepreneurs struggle a lot with potential. So it really is my audience who I speak to. But the other side was people were like, how are you going to monetize? And I go, I don't know. But two things have happened from this podcast. One is I've learned so much from interviewing people like you. It's been crazy. The second thing is, is that the listeners of this show have, many of them, have become part of my network. Either I know them because they've reached out and we've communicated, or in some cases they haven't, but they feel they know me and they've turned around and, and introduced me to, you know, associations that they belong to or their companies for meetings that they have. And so, you know, I've been able to, to, to pick up business. And it was interesting when you said that, you know, your friend um, – you know, your friend uh, Jeff reached out to his, you know, podcast and just said, hey, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I've always wondered, what if I reached out to the people on the show and said, you know what? I need your help. I need to help grow the show. You know, could, could somebody tweet about the show? Could somebody do something today that would let other people know about cool things entrepreneurs do? I've always wondered if, you know, I know there's people listening, but I always wonder if people would actually do it. So I wrote that down when you said that, that I might do a whole episode where I asked someone to, to, to help me out. You know, I'll give you an example of my own personal career where that very principle came into play. I took over a department that was kind of on its last legs. It wasn't performing very well. And so once I got in, I started getting frustrated. I'd have to go report to the CFO and we wouldn't make our budgets again or we'd be over budget and we wouldn't make our revenue. And finally, I looked at um, all the people who were responsible for spending money. And I said, I called them in the room. There were about 11 of them who had, you know, they were outsourcing this and that and buying things here and there. And I explained to them, hey, here's the challenge. So from now on, one of you is going to come with me when I visit the CFO once a month, um, just so you get a sense of what's happening. And second, I threw open the books on the conference table and I said, I need your help. Guys, we'll never turn this around if it's just up to me. We all have to do this together. And I remember getting a little pushback uh, from a few other leaders saying, wow, you open up the whole books to your whole department for everybody to see. And I said, yep, everybody. Now, no, you couldn't see like how much everybody made, but you could see one like lump sum of salaries, for instance. And so I just laid it all out there. And I'll never forget, I was in a meeting 
And I said, I suggested we add something to one of the uh, projects we were working on. And one of the producers across from me said, hey, if we do that, that's going to increase the budget. <laughs> and it was the first time that I heard anybody on the team really fight or, or think about what they were doing in terms of budget. And I remember we got it. And we turned that department around top to bottom when I left. The CEO said, you took the worst department of the company and you made it one of the very best. And I said to myself, it wasn't me. It was a team effort. And, you know, just to say, I think a lot of leaders, a lot of entrepreneurs are afraid to open up, afraid to ask for help, afraid to say, hey, um, I don't have it all figured out. Can you help me? And I think that people will jump at the chance to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think people want to be part of a team. So if they can be part of the team at work, if they can be part of the team of the people who, you know, help out and listen to a podcast, if it's, you know, part of your community or your faith community, I think people, I think people want to be on the team. And I think that's a great, a great lesson that you put forth is let people be on your team and you'll find more success. I think that's, I think that's great. Hey, I got a couple more questions for you, but first I got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy, heavy, I'm sorry, Podfly does all the heavy lifting, technical work, and all that stuff that you don't know about when it comes to sound engineering. They do it all so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Chris Mefford. Hey, <laughs> if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Chris, I call the show cool things entrepreneurs do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Well, I'll tell you, um, the book is pretty cool to me. I, you know, I always wanted to put a book together, uh, and not just an ebook, you know, a legit book It's 200 pages, um, of thoughts. And, uh, I've been working on that for about six months and, uh, it, it excites me, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, am I going to have a big book tour and stuff? No, but I am um, excited to go on podcasts and talk to different people and kind of share my knowledge and my experiences really uh, with them. And so for me, that's been new. That's sort of something that was sort of just a, a big, crazy dream a few years ago. And yet here I sit today and it, it's sort of all accomplished. And, uh, you know, I put it together in a way that made it seem fun um, for readers to kind of walk through, but also, um, you know, it's I, I just see her with a smile on my face saying, hey, I can't believe I pulled this off, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, I've, absolutely. So I ask everyone who comes onto the show, because we could talk about you, Chris, all day long. You're doing all kinds of cool stuff. We could talk about that. We could talk about your book. We could talk about everything. But I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask the people who come on the show, who is it that you see out there that you think is doing something cool? Oh, wow. Um Let's see. Probably, can I give like three? Oh three my gosh, you can give three. Nope. Most, um, most people are limited to one, but we're going to let you give three. I'll be short. Um, well, first off, uh, I mentioned him. His name is Jeff Brown. He runs a really podcast. He's sort of my current favorite, if you will. Um, Jeff was let go or laid off or I don't know exactly what the right term was. He had spent many years sort of in the radio industry and uh, kick, he decided he was going to gonna start a podcast. Kick to the curb, um, maybe, is the yeah. right? Yeah. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. And he started writing some apps uh, for iPhones and things like that. And he started a little podcast because he liked to read business books. 
and he called it read to lead and it went on. And I'll tell you what, he has been doing it for almost two years now, probably a little over two years actually. And it's been downloaded over a million times. He has developed such a following, um, a great crew of people. Uh, I met Jeff through our wives or mutual friends, so I don't really throw him out necessarily because he's a friend, but just because I respect so much. Uh, sort of life handed him this lemon and he took it and created this amazing life that he has now of, of talking to all these great authors and speakers and um, creating an opportunity from that then to support his family and life. And he sort of just jumped from one ship to the other and it was I don't want to say effortless because it didn't take some time and, um, you know, we're, there were frustrating moments. But I just look at him and think, wow, what an entrepreneur, what a guy who just took something and said, hey, you know what? It's time for me to get out anyway. So here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to start living the dream. Nice. Um, and I loved that. You know, somebody, my all time favorite is a lady that many of your listeners possibly aren't familiar with. Her name is Cordia Harrington. And I used her at some of our events uh, to speak and to motivate. And she was one of the very first franchise owners that McDonald's had. Hmm. Back in the 80s, McDonald's been getting a lot of flack about not uh, hiring women into the workforce or letting them own a franchise. And so in order to meet a quota and get the media off their back, um, Cordy had sort of been screaming and saying, pick me, pick me for such a long time that they gave her a franchise. And it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, the way she tells the story is if I would have had uh, the restaurant run for the next 50 years, I would barely make enough money to sort of buy a car over the 50 year span. And she was like, they just gave me that, that franchise because they wanted to sort of check off the box. Hey, we have women franchise owners. But I looked across town in the middle of this sort of cornfield area and there was a Greyhound bus station and right next to it was an empty lot. So I packed up and I moved my McDonald's across town to the Greyhound bus station. And almost overnight, we became the most successful McDonald's franchise in America. <laughs> we had about 400 buses that would pull in and unload and load up new passengers, a sort of a crisscross across America point um, there all summer long and into the fall and into the spring. And she said, we just could not uh, like if it was on, we could open up five restaurants and still been busy right there at that location. And so I think, wow, she sort of took the bull by the horns in and turned things around there. And I love her and sort of, uh, maybe my third where I love to go and sort of get inspiration is Kickstarter. I get inspired by Kickstarter. I think, man, these guys are full of great ideas and look how easy, um, it is these days to sort of get funding these easy these days. Look at that idea. My ideas are, are that good. Why? You know, let me try and figure out how I can get leverage that. And so Kickstarter is just a, a place, I think, for entrepreneurs to go to get um, motivated, to get excited, um, to find some energy, just to just to look around and see what other people are doing. That's awesome. Hey, the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think in addition to wanting to make money, I think entrepreneurs want to leave a mark. I think we want to do some good for the world. So what do you do? You know, any, any way I can first. Uh, I'm a big fan of giving back. You know, I worked with a company out in Salt Lake um, that did every sandwich you bought. They donated a sandwich to the local soup kitchen or food bank of equal or greater nutritional value. And so I was really rewarded to work with them quite a bit. Um, for the last six months out in Salt Lake. And that, that excited me and they've grown. But this idea behind cause capitalism, I'm 100% sort of behind. I feel like there's a lot, Tom, of people who sort of are companies or entrepreneurs who get behind this cause marketing and they use it as sort of a gimmick. 
um, to get people on board. But I, you know, I wish more companies and more people would figure out a way to help out the community because just like people are desperate to want to help you succeed, I think if you give back to the community, they will ultimately um, give back to you. There, there's a great example here recently. Hurricane Harvey hit Houston and some furniture store franchise sort of in the Houston area opened up its doors. Yeah, come and, they let come people and sleep. It was a mattress store. Our, yeah. Yeah. Come and stay here, sleep here. And I think that that is going to pay dividends for decades, um, the fact that they give back to the community. So I would encourage anyone not to give back. And not only that, when you work in a community like that and you give back, you actually meet a lot of people who can really help you um, through your networking. Yeah, no, that's awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, so if somebody listened to the show and they're like, I need to know more about Chris Mefford, how do they find you? <laughs> well, you can go to the website, chrismefford.com. Um, there's free coaching sessions you can sign up for. And they're, they're not like weak sessions. You know, I really like and genuinely uh, want to help people. So I'll give you some really good stuff. Like I said at the start, you know, I love showing individuals and entrepreneurs how to leverage their ability to communicate, to get promoted and make more money. And that's a passion I have. I actually have a degree in teaching. Um, I taught high school for four years, many, many years ago. Um, and so I enjoy the teaching process. Uh, I don't take too many clients on uh, just because of my, I, I also have a real job, but I enjoy it when I find the right person to sort of connect with that I can help and uh, take them to another level. So they can check it out there. They can get the free book, the free audio book, the free Kindle book if they just go and sign up at chrismefford.com as well. That is awesome. Well, again, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing your journey and your advice with everybody who listens to the show. And I say it every time. Thank you to those who listened because if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So please jump over to iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. Tweet us at Cool Podcast. Let us know what's going on. Wish us a happy third birthday. The uh, the 30th of September will mark three years since the first show dropped onto iTunes. So we're coming up on three years. We're closing in in a couple weeks on 300 episodes. So you can uh, send a note that says happy birthday. Congratulations, 300. Uh, and then also, if you want to join my co group coaching community, it's the best deal out there. It's not expensive. Just go to PotentialMastermind.com and uh, we'll have some fun together trying to figure out this weird path of entrepreneurship. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Chris. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.